Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is our 756th day together in God's Word, and we come now to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for loving us enough to reveal yourself to us. Thank you for laying out your gospel so clearly. Thank you for showing us your character. Thank you for calling us to Christ. Father, I pray that you would be our teacher and our guide through Isaiah 59 this morning. Teach us, grow us, draw us closer to Christ. May we walk more faithfully with him, we pray in his name. Amen. Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly, no one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas, they speak lies, they conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity, they hatch adder's eggs, they weave the spider's web, he who eats their eggs dies, and from one that is crushed a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity, and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, but behold darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind, we grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities, transgressing and denying the Lord, and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then 
His own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit that is upon you, and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, or out of the mouth of your offspring, or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Hmm. Isaiah 59 is really one of the best gospel chapters in the whole Bible. It lays out very clearly our need for the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ, and then it lays out very clearly the Redeemer who comes and the covenant he makes and the salvation we receive in him. It's all right here in Isaiah 59. But it begins, and a large bulk of the chapter is spent, on our sin. Religious people, religious people often think that through their religiosity, they are going to earn salvation from God. And Isaiah 59 makes it so clear that that's just not possible because no matter how religiously scrupulous and dutiful we are, we remain sinners, rebels at heart, shot through with iniquity. So here's this religious people, and they're beginning to think, like, why doesn't the Lord listen to us? We're, we're crying out loud for salvation. Why isn't he hearing us? And God says, it's not that the Lord's hand is shortened, that it can't save. It's not that his ear is dull, that it can't hear. Obviously, his arm is able to save. Obviously, his ear is able to hear. So what's the problem? The problem is your iniquities, your sins, your guilt. Despite your outward religiosity, inwardly, you are selfish. You sue one another unjustly in order to get something that doesn't really belong to you. You you conceive and give birth to mischief and lies. There's a lot of scheming and a lot of plotting for selfish gain and for revenge and for just manipulation. And they're trying to cover up with this stuff. It's like it's like spiders weaving a web and and then people trying to put it on as clothing. It's like that's not going to work. It's 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 your religiosity, your outward observance of the ceremonial law, your appearance as religiously dutiful people, which is following right after Isaiah 58 that we were in a couple days ago. It's like wearing spiderweb clothing. It just doesn't work. And you know what's interesting is Romans chapter 3 picks up on some of this language and applies it universally to all people. So their feet run to evil, they're swift to shed innocent blood, their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, desolation, destruction are in their highways, the way of peace they have not known, 
There is no justice in their past. If you look at Romans 3, verses 10 to 18, this is part of this. A couple of Psalms, Psalm 53, uh, and this passage here in Isaiah 59 are picked up and they're applied universally. This isn't just a few religious hypocrites in Israel or in Jerusalem during the ministry of Isaiah. It's not just, you know, a few charlatans. This is the human condition. We are selfish. We are manipulative. We deceive ourselves, and so we easily deceive others. We don't really want peace or justice, although we sometimes cry out for peace and justice. Our actions show that that's not what we want. Justice is far from us, and righteousness doesn't overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness. We hope for brightness and we walk in gloom. Why? Because of our own sin. Because of our own sin. So whatever hope for justice or salvation there is, it never comes. It's far from us. Because, verse 12 says, for or because our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us. We know our iniquities. Transgressing and denying the Lord, turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. We may pretend, but inwardly God sees our hearts and he knows the truth. So what is going to be our salvation? The Lord looks. The Lord looks at all of his people within his nation, which is, despite all their sin, the most righteous nation on earth because they're the only ones who know the one true God. And so God looks and he sees not a single qualified mediator, not a single qualified intercessor, no man, no one to intercede. And so the turning point comes halfway through verse 16. Then his own arm brought him salvation. The arm of the Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the, the saving action of God into the world is the Lord Jesus Christ. The second person of the Trinity, God the Son, is the Redeemer. He's the arm of the Lord. He's the way that the Lord works into his creation. So Jesus is the one who's being spoken of halfway through verse 16. His righteousness upholds him like a breastplate. He has a helmet of salvation on his head. He comes in to punish the adversaries of God's people. Specifically, he disarms Satan and his host. He disarms the rulers and authorities by triumphing over them through the cross, foretold in Colossians 2. And he, he wins the day. And the result of Christ winning the day, the result of Christ accomplishing salvation is that they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. There's going to be a worldwide expansion of the knowledge of God and the fear of the Lord to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation in every land from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. The name of the Lord is to be praised because the Redeemer has come and, the final verse, the Redeemer will come. So he's come and he will come. And then we have, I said final verse, it's the end of the poetic section. And then we have this final promise that God makes in verse 21. And that is the covenant that he makes. He says, everybody, basically everybody who's 
who's saved by the arm of the Lord, everybody who turns to the Redeemer, who comes to Zion, everyone who who finds uh, freedom from sin, we turn from our transgressions to Jesus, who takes away our sin, we are given the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've turned to him for salvation, if you've turned to him to deliver you from your transgression, you have the Holy Spirit and you have the word of God. And the spirit and the word will not depart from us as the people of God from generation to generation, from this time forth and forevermore. At Pentecost, God poured out his Holy Spirit on all believers. And when the 3,000 were added, they also received the Holy Spirit. And as the gospel has gone out, two things have gone out, the word of God and the spirit of God to all believers in Christ. This is the present covenant promise. And we'll see tomorrow, we're going to move into the future glory of God's people in chapter 60. I hope that you know the Lord. I hope that you understand your own sin. I hope that you know that you're not a good person, that you can't save yourself, that you can't be good enough for God to love you, that you don't basically do the right thing. You are in fact very selfish and self-deceived. I hope that you've acknowledged all of that and that you've turned to the Lord and you've said, save me from my sin. I want to turn away from my transgression. It is too heavy for me. It is too, it is too vile for me. I need to be rid of it. And the Redeemer, the Intercessor, the strong arm of the Lord comes. And he says, I'll take your sin away. I'll give you the Spirit. I'll give you my word. I'll be with you forever. That's the glorious good news of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your Son, for stretching out your arm, for redeeming your people. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's Isaiah 59. Tomorrow, you can see we're going to go on to Isaiah 60 and the glory of the Lord that is coming, is coming, is here, and is coming. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a blessed day in the Lord.